in a series called Resurrection Life, and actually, right now in the church calendar, it is still Easter tide or the season of Easter. And it's funny because one of the only times that we say Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed, is on Easter, which was last week. And the funny thing is that Christ is risen all the time, amen? Christ is risen indeed now, at Easter, tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now. He's risen all the time. And um, actually, every Sunday that we come to church, like Nathan mentioned, is a celebration of Easter. It's the church living out that rhythm of suffering, dying, and rising with Christ. And as we come together and worship and sing songs and drink coffee and have pastries and connect, ask how was your week, we are living into that resurrection life. Amen. And so this series is about uh, what it means to live as resurrection people, uh, to live a resurrection life in Jesus Christ. And our passage today is John 20, 19 through 31. And I'll just start off by reading that for us. Uh, this is the Common English Bible version. It was still the first day of the week, that evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Jesus came and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Jesus replied, Do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son, is Jesus, that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing you will have life in his name. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little embarrassed today because I have an opening story and... Uh, I'll just have a, a caveat or a warning that uh, it's kind of gross. So if you have a weak stomach, um, you might want to leave the room. It's kind of rude, and it's kind of uncouth. And it's kind of taking a risk out there and, you know. Uh, but, but I'm going to go for it anyways because I think it illustrates our scripture really well. Um, but that is, um, when I was a mailman, a postman, after I left InterVarsity Campus Ministry, um, I had a period of two years where I just worked. I took a break from ministry altogether, and I worked with the U.S. Postal Service. And the U.S. Postal Service was an awesome job for me 
not only was I in the best shape in my world because all the routes were walking routes, uh, but I had a lot of time on my own to meditate and kind of reflect on my life and kind of restore my soul and take a, uh, my own kind of sabbatical for ministry. And um, so one of my first weeks, uh, I was with this guy named June. He was a Filipino older man um, who was my train. So I would just do a ride along with him. And he'd show me the ropes, how to do th this route, how to deliver the mail. And then he'd let me do a block, a swing is what you call it. You go down a block, come back up, do a swing. And the thing is, I was too, uh, when you're on the street doing delivery, uh, one of the first things you need to know is where all the bathrooms are. Because you never know when there will be a bathroom, right? And you could take a break. So every route you have, every neighbor you, you have, you need to know where the bathrooms are. Uh, but I was with, I was new, I was with this guy, and I was, you know, I felt a little, my, my stomach a little upset, uh, but I was too polite, I, I didn't want to, like, you know, interrupt him, I, I was being nice, a nice Asian man, and um, <laughs> so we're doing this route, and we're walking, uh, so he said, why don't you do this block, and so I did, and um, all of a sudden, I had an aunt that's coming, Right? Whatever is going on in my belly, it's coming. And, and, but I'm in the middle of the block. I'm with the mail, and I don't know what to do. Right? Do I put the mail down and run? Right? Do I knock on someone's door and say, can I use the bathroom? Right? Whatever. And, and I'm going, I'm going, and I'm slowly slowing down my pace. And I'm like tensing my muscles. And actually, the more you do that and the more you walk, the worse it gets. And it just, everything comes out. I won't say which way, but everything came out. And, and then, so I walk back, I deliver the rest of the mail, and I'm sitting next to him in the mail truck, and I'm like, I hope he doesn't smell it. I, I just hope he doesn't smell anything. Mim is like, what is going on? You're in healthcare, you know what's up. And, um, I don't know what's, I hope he doesn't smell anything. And so we finished the day. Um, I think one of the breaks, I went to a bathroom in Zoka's at Green Lake and, uh, and got rid of my underpants, right? Like, got rid of it. So it's just, you know, my pants. And uh, he never said anything the whole day. So I was like, Phew. like, he didn't notice, right? It, it's all good. I can come fresh, take a shower, next day, ready to go. And so I walk in, in the next morning, I walk into the post office, and the first guy meets, the first guy I see is this guy named Truck, a Vietnamese guy, and he's like, oh, hey, David, hey, pooper. <laughs> I'm like, no, and then I'm walking through, it was like this initiation, everyone's like, hey, pooper, hey, pooper, I'm like, no, no. But that's all to say, this story is all to say, and please forgive me, um, for my crassness, but this is all to say that life is messy, right? Life is difficult, life is messy, it gets ugly, right? And as a body of Christ, uh, one of the things that should define us is not that life is perfect or life is clean, right? When we gather in this place, when we gather together, it's that life is messy, but 
we have a Savior. Amen? We have a Savior who understands us, who knows us, who loves us, who has experienced the things that we have experienced, that has compassion and empathy for us, and wants to change and transform us. Um, So real life, our lives are down and dirty. It's messy. Um, And when we enter our story, this is actually the the next passage following our last week's passage, uh, Mary at the Tomb. And this is the following, or that, that evening. So Easter evening. Um, they are gathered. It says the disciples are gathered um, in a room behind locked doors. And we, we read that they are afraid. They're afraid of being persecuted. They're afraid of, uh, it says, the religious leadership, the Jewish leadership coming and finding them out or saying, hey, you're the followers of Jesus. Um, and we know that after Jesus' crucifixion that the disciples had scattered. Right? The disciples ran to the left, to the east, to the west, to the north, and the south, and they had scattered. And now they were kind of huddled in this room behind closed doors and scared. Um, and it's the evening of the resurrection. So it's actually, I've entitled this sermon, The First Easter. Right? This is actually the first, the church meeting on the first Easter. So, right, we should turn to it as a model of how we should do as a church the rest of our Easter's, right? The rest of our Sundays, the rest of our worship together. And so, let's take a look. Let's take a look. Um, first of all, I wanted to add that uh, there are so many personalities in the uh, resurrection story, and then uh, with Mary, the disciples, Peter, and John. And last week, I mentioned how what grabbed a hold of Mary, right? What was, the, what was the thing that made Mary recognize her Lord, made Mary recognize Jesus, was the sound of her own name, right? And so some of you who are like me, the NFs, the relational, the touchy-feely people are like, yeah, I resonate with that. Jesus knows my name, right? He knows me. Uh, he's known me from when I was in my mother's womb, right? He knows my ins and outs, and he calls my name. And that's why he's Lord, that he's, uh, he's Jesus Christ, and he's Lord. But when we enter this passage, uh, the disciples have the same inability to see Jesus initially, right? So when Jesus walks in, it says, He's all of a sudden, he's standing among them in this room, and he greets them, and, he's, and it says, he shows them what? He shows them uh, his side, his wounds, <coughs> excuse me, his hands and his side, right? And, and then it's after that point when he shows them, right? Here on my side, he was pierced in the side by a spear on the cross. He was pierced by nails in his hands on the cross. And so when he greets them, he shows them. He's like, look, look. And then after that, they're like, teacher, rabbi, Lord. And they're filled, it says that they're filled with joy. So where Mary was kind of brought in by the sound of her name, these disciples uh, see Jesus' wounds, right? The empirical evidence of his suffering of his persecution, of his torture, the physically, and it makes their eyes open up, right? 
And so I think this is awesome in and of itself, that Jesus, that God can reveal himself in so many different ways, different types of people, right, with different personalities, right? And maybe this is better for the men in the room or the engineers in the room or the, the scientists in the room. Who cares about the sound of my name? Anyone can say Brandon or Mim, right? What I care about is, let me see, right? Let me see where the wounds are. The other thing that is really interesting to me is that the resurrected Jesus has wounds and scars. The resurrected Jesus still has the scars on his hands, the scars on his feet, the scars on his side. That our God understands our woundedness, our scars. He understands the pain and suffering of the world. He understands systemic injustices, racism, and the pain and suffering that that causes. Because he himself was incarcerated. He himself was wounded. He himself was tortured. He himself was persecuted. And the, the remnants of that, the visible signs of that, are physically on his body in the resurrected self. Because you would think, oh, this Jesus is God, and he resurrected, and then he ascended to heaven. Like, shouldn't he be glowing with perfect, right, in the European perspective, perfect white skin, soft and pure, right? You have that picture, but... It's really actually pretty grotesque, right? It's really real. It's really down and dirty. And Jesus, knowing this, I think, shows this to his disciples. And it's the thing that grabs them. Are you with me, church? And so Jesus, when he says, when he sees them, he greets them with peace be with you, right? He blesses them with peace be with you. And he says this for the first time. But it's only after they saw his wounds that they were filled with joy. And on this first Easter, the first Sunday celebration of the church, the disciples experienced a collective transformation. Fear was converted to joy as Jesus revealed himself. The Jesus, the resurrected Jesus retains the scars of his persecution and crucifixion. There's, something, there's really something about this. There's something transformative about the wounded healer. Jesus connects with his disciples by showing his wounds and scars. And this is how they recognize the Lord. And when we come to worship, uh, we worship a Jesus who understands us. And Jesus is recognizable to us in the ways he tangibly reveals himself to us, right? Jesus is recognizable to us in the ways he understands our own sufferings, our experiences, and our wounds. So after they rejoice and celebrate, Jesus says, peace be with you a second time. He says, peace be with you for a second time. Um, And then he sends them, right? He gives the missional sending. Um, Let me read that again. Peace be with you, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, 
they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. So if we kind of see this as the first Easter, right, the first kind of Easter where the church or the body or the disciples of Christ are gathered, what happens? Jesus is present among his people. Jesus greets his people and reveals himself in a transformative way. People see tangibly Jesus and who he is, and their fears are turned into joy, right? And as we gather, we gather in expectation of the power of God in the place, in the midst of us, of the Holy Spirit coming and changing us. Most of us, you may have come in here like, oh, it's too early. You may have come in here like, it's the first week after Easter, right? Why am I even here? You may come in here apathetic. You may come in here really happy to see other people, really happy to go out to lunch after this, right? You may come in here sad with a lot of burdens or depressed. Or you may come in here like looking at the sunshine, right? Because we have these awesome windows, the awesome sun and the trees. And you may be saying, how long is this sermon going to be? Because I really, really want to get out there. Right? Get out in the sunshine. It's, there hasn't been sun in a long time. You may be feeling all of these things. But when Jesus is present in his place and reveals himself to his people, something happens. Right? We're overtaken by joy. Our hearts are transformed. And we should come in expectation of this. Because that is the resurrection life. That is the power of the resurrection. That God comes and changes hearts. Amen? 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 All right. Um, secondly, Jesus blows the wind of the Spirit onto his disciples, right? He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And this kind of echoes the Genesis creation scene, when the creation of humanity, when God fashions mud, humanity out of mud, and breathes his Spirit into them, and life is given to the mud, and, and human beings are animated, and, and there's a new creation, So Jesus comes and breathes on his disciples, likewise creating a new creation, right? A new people to follow after him. And so as a body, as a church today, um, in the resurrection life, right? In the celebration of Christ is risen, right? We receive the Holy Spirit in this place. And we are made into a new creation, a new body. And we come in expectation of the Holy Spirit to meet us, right? In fact, uh, the word isn't, hey, sit here and wait and see if the Holy Spirit shows up, right? Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so the challenge to us is, will you receive, right? Are you receptive uh, to God's Spirit, which is at work and present all the time? Amen? Um. So in summary, the church gathered, in the church gathered, Jesus reveals himself among us, he blesses us, right, peace be with you, and he gives his Holy Spirit, right? And in the giving of the Holy Spirit, he says, just so that, just as the Father sent me, I send you. There's the missional sending, I send you, right? And what is that sending? That sending is that you would become a people of God's grace and mercy in the world. That you would become, just as 
you have been forgiven, you go and forgive. And anyone you forgive will be forgiven. Right? That's the mission. That's, that's John's version of the Great Commission is go and forgive one another. Go be a beloved community that reflects God's radical grace and gra- radical forgiveness uh, for other people. Uh, we are a community sent to be uh, a body of forgiveness. And in that forgiving, is that's transformative. That's transformative uh, to other people's lives, um, to our neighbors, uh, to our family members, to everyone. So Thomas, traditionally, this passage, we all go, oh, doubting, we call him Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas the doubter, ha, 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 ha. As if he's so strange because he's the one who doubted, right? But actually, what he's asking for is pretty much what Jesus showed the other disciples. So they're like making fun of him. Oh my gosh, you got to see this, Thomas. And he's like, no, I got to feel it. I got to see it. I got to put my hand in it, right? And maybe they're mocking him. And Thomas is like, didn't he show you his wounds? That's when you believed. Uh, So why do we say Thomas is doubting Thomas? Right? I think Thomas is just another disciple with a different personality, a different makeup. He's like has the surgeon mentality, right? He likes dissecting things. He likes to get his hands dirty, right? The disciples, when he walks into the room, they call him pooper, right? Pooper, pooper, right? Because he's down and dirty. He's like, he's like, I don't just want to see his wounds on his side. I don't just want to see. I want to, what does he say? I want to put my finger in his wound, right? Maybe it's like the wound is festering and it's like gangrenous and like, you know, maybe they put some maggots on there to clean it, the bacteria and stuff. And he's like, I want to put my finger in there. I want to touch it, right? Gross, right? Gross. He's not doubting Thomas, he's, He's a Thomas that really wants to embrace the truth, but the way that he sees the truth is really, he just really needs it in his face, right? He really needs it to be tactile. Thomas takes it a step further, right? The disciples were okay with simply seeing Jesus. Thomas takes it a step further. Further, and Jesus allows this. Thomas is a little more hands-on. Let me put my finger in the wound. He's a little more down and dirty. If we ask in this church, in the church, does my doubt have a place in the gathering of Jesus' disciples? The answer is resolutely yes. On the second Easter Sunday, uh, the second service of the church, Thomas believed. Right? This was, it says a week later, right? So it's the second Easter, the second Sunday. Thomas believed. And Thomas was allowed to get his hands bloodied in the wounds of Jesus. I'm just, I mean, maybe they weren't bloody, but in my head. Thomas was allowed to examine Jesus' body. Thomas was allowed to probe, to prod, right? It's kind of rude. Hey, let me, 
I know you, you say that you're Jesus, but let me just prod you and touch you and poke you. Right? It's like, get away from me. Jesus allowed it. Jesus allowed him uh, to satisfy his uh, need to believe, his curiosity. Um, and there's space. There's space in the church to doubt or to be like, I need to touch Jesus. I need him to show me that he's real or I don't believe. It's really hard for me to believe. And oftentimes we don't feel like uh, the community of faith is a place where we can come real, right? We can be down and dirty with our struggles or down and dirty with, you know, our questions or our doubts, you know. And so we become perfect people sitting in seats, right? And that actually hinders connection, right, with one another and with God. And it hinders worship. And it hinders our ability to have compassion out in the world. Because we've hidden our wounds away. Because behind that is a lack of trust and faith that Jesus heals. It's a lack of trust and faith in the resurrection. right? That Jesus can take your woundedness, can take your suffering and make them new again. Jesus can take your hurt. Jesus can take your questions and bring life to them. That's the power of the resurrection. And we need to live the resurrection life by becoming people like Thomas who are honest, right? And just want to dive in there because Jesus will allow it, right? And Jesus will meet you in that place. Amen. Are you with me, church? Amen. Awesome. Uh, Thomas was allowed to examine Jesus' body. And this is both so very intimate a scene and it's so disrespectful at the same time, right? It's really intimate and it's really disrespectful. So we come to church uh, with the freedom to probe, to prod, to dissect. But know this, when you do this, be ready to be surprised by joy. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for your love for us, your magnanimous love uh, that you are the one who loved us. You are the one who reached out to us. You are the one who saved us. You are the one who covered our sins and, and, and made us new. And it's by your love and your power um, that true change happens true community happens um, and our the church is gathered around um, your life uh, your resurrection your spirit and uh, we want to be open to receive you and all that you are and receive the good news that uh, you are risen and you are here among us help us to be a community that is more honest and uh, more open to 
being with you and the being with one another and wrestling and struggling um, in our small groups and the ways that we serve together in our daily lives and on Sundays when we worship together and fellowship. Help us to be more open, more real, more ourselves, um, and receive the life that you have for us. In your name, amen.